years of understanding. everybody. Thank you so much for being here. This is the first cherry popping podcast uh, that I've done. And this is the Living Lilith podcast. The reason I decided to call it that while well, I was inspired by my friend, um, Shanna, who is not here um, with us today, but uh, she said, that's what I should call it. So I, I just kind of was like a lightning Midas like moment of awareness that that's what it is. Because to me, Lilith is nature herself, which is a little bit of a different narrative than the others, I think that we might be running across mostly on social media uh, these days, uh, which are very focused on Lilith being the succubus and so on. And I definitely want to talk about that more and more. And that's what this podcast is for. That's what my work is all about as well. Um, but um, I want to thank you all for joining. First time tray popping, my wonderful friend, <laughs> Alexandra <laughs> Karowski is here with us today, helping me pop the cherry. Thank you so much. I could not be more pleased to be the cherry popper. <laughs> you are deserving. Thank you, my dear. I chose you to pop it. It's an honor. Indeed. Uh, I, I'm really excited. Uh, I honestly could not think of uh, somebody else to help usher in this new experience uh, because Alex and I have been friends for a while on social media and I have watched her growth excuse me, she has watched my growth for the, probably the past decade, I'm thinking about 10 years now. Mm -hmm. And uh, her work is really, really special. I really have a lot of respect for Alex and what she does and how she does it. And so I just wanted to bring her on to on this celebratory first podcast where we can just talk about, first of all, nature, because that's what this podcast is about. Everybody that I bring here to this podcast is going to be somebody who wants to philosophize about it, um, just kind of hang out and talk about it. And most of the people will also be people who somehow center nature in their work. Um, everything from legal matters to witchcraft to, you know, just the occult to people who are gardeners. I mean, all across the gamut in the as above, so below in the as, as within, so without. So this is what I think Lilith is, and she's living. She's not this abstract idea that's just living in antiquity and that we worship, you know, and turn into in this sort of theistic way. We turn her into this goddess to worship. She actually is living now within us and living outside of us. And so to learn to turn on those lights of awareness, to see how she hides in plain sight, even in today's postmodern society, I think is really important to tether from the ancient to the modern is really what I'm personally interested in. And that's what um, inspired this podcast. So really excited. Yes. So I'm Chris, I'm Criselda Pacheco. Did I say my name? I don't know, but that's who I am. <laughs> Anyways, thanks. Thanks again for being here. So anyway, let's let's get started. Um, you know, let's talk about nature. What what is nature? and and why nature 
Yeah, I mean, first of all, Griselda, thank you so much for just opening up this conversation because I think that it's uh, missing in the greater context of how people speak about spirituality, how they speak about religion, how they are relating to themselves. <clears throat> and I think a lot of it has to do with that is like, if you look around you at the wisdom that exists in all of the wildness of nature, of plants, of animals, and it's, it's sort of instinctual connection to the ecosystem. Mm -hmm. And, you know, in humans, it's so different because we have these um, drives to kind of condition ourselves and drives to kind of, uh, we really suffer with our existence in a particular way. So I think that, you know, in trying to solve that problem, we've interestingly gotten away from a lot of what could be helping us solve that problem. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so nature, I really see is that sort of, um, just that beautiful blossoming of what you don't have to work at that is you you know it's your individuation it's the vessel that you're in and how that vessel seeks to express and you know the the struggle i think in our society is we have all of these people on that journey uh together but a lot of them are really lost on that journey and the way that that impacts the process of that opening um, has really been felt far and wide in people. Right. I mean, it's, it's, it's one of those things is, is we're going to always probably talk about on this podcast is, is how it hides in plain sight. Right. Um, and, and, uh, that's the thing. It's like, when you realize that you wonder why you didn't realize it before, why do you think that we are so stuck in amnesia too? Yeah. I mean, that's a great question. I think that First of all, I think that there's a, we've been cut off from it. I mean, even in our, just our physiological processes, the way we handle death and birth as humans, especially as Americans, I'm going to say it's probably, I'm sure there's other parts of the world. I know there's other parts of the world that honor it much more um, sacredly. And, you know, but the, we really sterilize that process you know, and in doing so, it's like we kind of pop in, we're this natural being that pops into this like very sterilized world. And then you're like, what the fuck, you know, even right. for the, the first wisdom is, you know, as you're an infant and you're trying to navigate, you know, just existing. And it's just like, oh, this is, whoa, you know? Well, I mean, it's been shamed, right? Nature has Absolutely. been shamed. And so this is, this is, uh, we, we have inherited the fear of something so organic, right? So rooted even in uh, antiquity, the, the, the wisdom. So we've, be, we've, been, we've been groomed to be afraid of wisdom, I guess, if we want to even mm. kind of explain it that way, right? We follow the correlation of, yeah. like you said earlier, nature's wisdom, um, which is really the only perennial wisdom. Truly, truly. I mean, I think that that, because that's something you take with you through every expression of soul, you know? And it's like, I used to foster kittens a lot. And so I, uh, you know, remember oh, watching, I did. How did you give them back? <laughs> it was not easy, let me tell you. But usually when they uh, start pooping everywhere, I'm like, all right, I'm ready. <laughs> oh, and the, the pee, the pee is also the oh, other Oh yeah, thing. yeah. I was like, all right, this you could be somebody else's problem now. But no, there, oh. I mean, I love it. But one of the things um, uh, I just, 
just something that felt like such a profound process to me was when if I had a pregnant cat and she was giving birth and, you know, she could be not even a year old, she could be, and she just knew exactly what to do and to watch her go through this process of giving birth to kittens and, and taking care of the placenta and feeding them and hiding them and making sure they were safe. It was like, it just, she, they would just click right into it. And it's like, God, humans cannot do that. <laughs> well, you know, that that's the interesting thing. You know, uh, I brought this up before uh, regarding somebody, uh, an author, or he's no longer with us uh, too bad because I'm obsessed with him. Uh, his name is Wilhelm Reich. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know who Wilhelm Reich is. He's, he's actually, his work is very fundamental in my course. Because uh, I think that this man ran across this perennial wisdom in his search for like liberating the libido, right? Our, our libido, which has been very shamed. Yes. Um, and, you know, he talks about that the suppression of, of this very, you know, wisdom. He doesn't really use this language, uh, but it's the same thing. He talks about the suppression of this wisdom is leading going to lead to fascism. And he predicted that, you know, uh, back in the 40s. So, I mean, this, and we're starting to see the effect of that cause now, right, today of what it's like when we forget that very wisdom that you're talking about. Absolutely. And I think a lot of uh, what we would call toxic spirituality now, but even existent through many different forms of religion throughout the years, even Buddhism, which I think, you know, has ideas that I can even relate to, but there's this there to me the feminine is so much about that nature that knows that you're safe like she's a protector so if you're trying to control a group of people you want people to disconnect from that part of themselves that knows whether or not they're safe Mm -hmm. if you're so then if you have these sort of fascist ideas and it's like oh we're just we're just merging into oneness you're one of us and like your emotions don't matter if you feel weird about it that's your problem right you know and it's like that whole idea is highly um highly patriarchal masculine and fascist it's it's you know it's and it's major erasure of our natural wisdom well, you know, as I've always said that that's, you know, fascism, fascism, another way to put it for me was always the limp dick epidemic. Yeah. That's what, <laughs> the hashtag, <laughs> the hashtag for righteousness has gone wrong. Yes. <laughs> you know, it's just like you missed the mark, you know, which is actually the etymology of the word sin uh, in Hebrew. The Hebrew etymology of the word sin means missing the mark. So it's mm. not, has nothing to do with shame or, you know what I mean? Like some kind of moral shame, you know, oh, you, you, you messed up and you should be ashamed for it. It's like, no, if you don't have a right angle somewhere, when you're building a house, the house is not going to stand. It really is about true righteousness, not, not yeah. the, the false morality um, veiled over this, this word righteousness, if that makes sense. And I, yeah. that's where we've gone wrong, right? Is so the shaming of that wisdom and shaming of that natural wisdom, like the cats have that yeah. every, all the creatures have, has led us astray into missing the mark. Yeah. And I think that, you know, a lot of that shame is really centered in on the feminine. So even the childbirth process, you know, um, I mean, even speaking to, I mean, I have children. So even speaking to my own process where like, you know, giving birth got so messy and so, and people couldn't handle the fact that I was like yelling at them or in a bad mood, you know what I mean? Like, I'm just, 
I'm just like literally every pore of my body is exploding. What if they expect you to be doing like for real? <laughs> so, I, yeah, exactly. So it's like, oh, you don't want me to touch you? What? Oh, why? <laughs> you know? Oh my God. You know, this so reminds me. Like, yeah. yeah so- it, it, it's everything so polished. This reminds me of the day of something on Instagram I saw. So, you know, I'm going to tell you, I have these guilty yeah. little pleasure TV shows that I watch. <laughs> and one of them is Selling Sunset. Okay. Selling okay. Sunset. And there's yeah. this woman who is pregnant. Uh, who's on that show and they sell high dollar properties and houses over in Los Angeles. Okay. So they're the Hollywood people and she's pregnant right now and she's getting bigger and bigger. And she's, I think about the bus soon. I really do. I think about maybe like a month away or less and all these pictures as when she first got pregnant, she was very, very polished, very nice. And now like I could tell she's trying to still look polished, but she's looking like, you know, she wants, she's like, she's constipated, you know, and, and like she, she needs to go lay down. And I'm just like, look at all this performance of like this continued performance that the feminine is, is expected to, yes. to keep up with. And I, everybody knows it's fake. Yeah. But here we are still doing that. It's just exhausting. And we celebrate women when they're pregnant and we just abandon them after they have the baby. And, well, you know, yeah. and that's, that's just such a real thing that I went through and that mm. so many women I've seen go through. Why, you know? why do you think that is? Why, why do we celebrate them when they're pregnant, but then abandon them after? You know, interestingly, I think it's, it's because of this root issue, because I think people really crave to get back to their innocence. And so when you see someone pregnant, you're like, I don't know, there's this idea mm. of like the, the life hasn't happened yet. There's like something so pure about it. And um, purity to me can have multiple meanings, you know, mm-hmm. but, um, the, the most beautiful aspect of it is it's like, it's, it's untouched. It's unharmed at that point. Right. And, you know, so I think that there's, there's something about that moment that stimulates the subconscious that people are just driven to. I think a lot of people also attach and romanticize pregnancy a lot, um, which is something totally different, but, um, you know, not my experience of it. I don't romanticize it one little bit, but I think that, um, you know, childbirth and pregnancy and the continuation and and the idea of connecting this to women's worth has been really key in the oppression of women. So, you know, so there's a lot of reasons, I think, Mm -hmm. um, that it just kind of centers in there. I love the point you made about how, um, that it's because of the, the potential right? Yeah. There's a, there's the potential there when you see a woman who's pregnant and it's still untouched, like it's still inside of this primordial space that is sacred. But once it enters, it becomes profaned. <laughs> Do yes. you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like when it enters, so now you're once, just one of us, like, right. that's not special. <laughs> right, right. Exactly. Now yeah. you're just going to eat and shit and you're going to do everything else that we, you know, but, but meanwhile, yeah. when you were inside the womb, you were this idea of perfection, this potential. And I think that that's what the feminine is, right? The darkness is, is full potential. There's a correlation there. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And the pri- I, I, primordial wisdom. Yeah. And it's, a, so, and when coming back to the idea of nature, like, cause when I look at people, you know, as a psychic, as an intuitive, and as someone who's really supporting people in transmuting some heavy shit on the regular, you know, it's like, I always have my eyes locked in on that highest potential. When I look at someone, that's how I look at them. And it doesn't mean they're going to get there. Okay. I mean, and I think that this is some of the thing, this is being human, right? It's like, you're not going to get there. 
you know, maybe, I, maybe some people have, I, you know, or that's just a legend who knows, but I think, um, I think having your eye on it is gets you closer in it and it brings refinement to the journey and it helps. Yeah. It helps like, okay, this is where I'm getting distracted. This is where I'm getting off the path because I've lost that sight. Mm. You know, uh, what you just said right now reminded me of something, uh, when I posted earlier that on my Facebook page that I was going to record my first podcast today, I wrote something out that I hadn't written in a while. And I was like, why haven't I been saying this? I used to say this all the time that I talked about the potentiality of the human being and that that's ultimately what this podcast was going to, or is going to be about is how to reach the potential as a human being, because when specifically about Lilith, right, we can talk about this in terms of other goddesses and other archetypes that people are constantly going on about, but I, I'm, I'm, I'm a humanist. Yes. You know, I don't like to say I'm a goddess or a goddess expressed or something like that. To me, it just doesn't feel correct. It doesn't feel, you know what I mean? Like, I want to be here a hundred percent. I'm in my body. I'm in my flesh. I'm gross and I stink. Yes. <laughs> and, and, yeah. and I'm a I'm human. So yeah. Cool. I love that shit. I love it. I, and that's what it's like, you know, I, I always felt like, you know, in my spiritual journey, especially when I first started teaching and people were really looking to me like, oh, you're like, this person, yeah. it's this sort of pedestalation process that people kind of go through, not everybody, but, right. but I was like, oh, I don't want to be perfect. Like, I really hate that idea, actually. You and know, what is that anyway, though? For real? Yeah. What is it? Like, it's not it, real. I, I, it's no, it's a, not. It's an imagination. It's a, you know, it's, it's, and perfection is rooted in shame. So it's like the idea, right. you know, that we could be perfect means that we have shame about our just being this, you know? Right. And so when people would catch me, you know, cursing after class or like, you know, just kind of whatever, I don't know, talking shit at the bus stop or like, you know, going to the bar, they're like, Oh, like what's I'm like, yeah, I'm a, I do shit. I am a person with, and I was like, Oh my God. Oh my God. (laughs) When I was a stripper, I I loved it when I was a stripper because you know, everybody, Oh, she's a goddess. She's a goddess. And whoever's over here, a goddess. And she's like flipping her hair on the right lights and her butt and everything. And then all of a sudden she's like sweaty and they're saying, I'm gonna go back. I'm going to go to the back to go freshen up. And then we go to the back and I see that same goddess on the corner farting. (laughs) (laughs) She was holding that in for a while. She was like, Oh (laughs) my God. Thank God. Speaking. I mean, she'd go to the, she'd go to the stall and I'm like next to her in the stall everywhere. Just kind of like, and then she go back out and bend over again. I was like, I know the secret. Yes. <laughs> we are human. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And it's like, you know, I think that people seek to objectify. I mean, that's, I guess that's the thing. The idea of the goddess is really an objectification. It is. It's a, it's, the, it's an archetype. It's a slim little part of existence. Right. Very one dimensional. And I mean, I love the idea of the goddess and I work with it and connect with it, but it's not, I don't live there. Right. I mean, and the thing is, is it's to use the words uh, or the word they used a little while ago, which is sterile. It sterilizes the feminine. The feminine is anything but sterile. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and and, and perfection is nature, isn't it? That the, the laws of nature are already perfection. And there's a lot of, um, blood and poop and and awful brutality in nature so i mean to sterilize her or try to sterilize her is is to take away the exact thing that makes her 
divine as hell and incredible and, and beyond our comprehension, truly. Totally. And I think that sterilization process also kind of forces us into extremes. If mm-hmm. like we're in extreme protect, uh, perf- perfection mode or performance mode, then mm-hmm. I think the, the backside of that, you know, can show up a lot of different ways, but you know, whether it's your behavior tor- towards others or, you know, your health or, I mean, then there's a breakdown that's occurring somewhere. Right. And, you know, when we actually embrace our nature, then all of that is much closer to the to the center. I mean, you look at, you know, how leaves grow on a branch, like how elegant and beautiful that is, you know, and that's, I think if we actually like embrace our nature and remove shame from our growth process and really, you know, express what's wanting to express through us freely without judgment, then we can get closer to that idea. Right. Right. It's, it's a, it's what you talked about earlier, um, uh, when we talked about individuation, can you talk about that a little bit for people who don't understand where that's coming from? It's Carl Jung's term about, you know, integrating, right. Uh, the opposites, but what, what, what is that? What does that mean? Individuation? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what does it look like? Right. Totally. So, I mean, I think that this is sort of the world that we're going in now, right. Where it's, things are, I think, this is maybe to speak a little bit to the switch in ages, like moving into Aquarian age out of Piscean thinking. Piscean's all about like oneness, you know, and martyrdom and just sacrificing for the whole. And then Aquarius is much more like, ah, we could do better than that. <laughs> <laughs> right. you know, it's like, but it's really embracing the individual. You know, it's here we are. Um, I always view spirit as it sort of dips in, you know, it kind of dips into the body. Uh, and so there's this sense of oneness and connectedness, you know, like I can, I feel connected to you. I feel a sense of oneness with you, but I know you and I are totally different people. Right. Um, so there's that sort of, there's the things that run through us all that connect us, Mm -hmm. uh, life force, uh, to me, the mother is the most universal sort of idea. Like we all come from one it's, it's with us all. Right. Um, but individuation is our own personal struggles, our own personal expressions, um, uh, uh, really shaped by um, our our hopes and fears in, a, in an interesting way. Like I think the things that drive us, the things that really push us forward, uh, and you talked about libido and, and um, at some point, I feel like it's also very much connected to sexuality and libido. Like the way that we express ourselves you know, are the same things that might like just really kind of like just turn us on to living. And, you know, it's that sort of idea of sexuality in terms of uh, your beingness, your connection with your body, what it is that you're here to do, here to create. Um, And then the flip side of that being, you know, the part of yourself that is seeking to be understood, but isn't yet. And how is that expressing Mm -hmm. and making noise in your life and, and uh, sculpting your experience in a way? Right. You know, it's interesting too. It was making me think of when you bring up the libidinal energy, right? I think I posted something, yeah, yesterday. And the reason I posted this on my social media was because we were having a conversation about Madonna mm. and how she just recently announced that she's going to go on tour and she's like 64 years old. And everybody's like, what the hell? It's like, and she's showing her ass and, her, and all of that. And uh, there was a conversation that started on my, on my page about it. And um, there were some people really actually, women who were 
really upset about and repulsed and talking about how she doesn't need to be flashing all of that and his sexuality and some other another male mentioned um about how you know she's oh the reason why it, it it's gross and it went away with her he didn't use that word so i don't want to say that he used the word gross mm-hmm. but he pretty much implied it and uh that it's gross because madonna's you know used sex her whole life and she's still using it and that's what makes it different than the Rolling Stones not being called out for wanting to continue to party, you know, um, or, or, or Tori Amos or something like that, for instance. And I feel like when, when people say things like like, like that, they don't understand what sex is. And most people do not understand what sex is. Yes. They think it's a good old in and out. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And there you go. And that's all it is. Um, and it's, it's a whole world. It's actually the reason it's what spurs our will, right? In our creative force, it is the, the libidinal energy that to bring it back back to the libido conversation. Yeah. Um, it's very misunderstood and that's what's been shamed. Absolutely. I think it's actually really connected to our will, our will to live in a basic way. It's like what makes us excited about life and what makes us, ex- and it's interesting to me that um, the correlation between Madonna and Tori Amos, because I see Tori is incredibly sexual too. I think so too. Well, yeah. And it's like in a different way. And yeah. that's a situation. They do it differently. And right. what the fuck, like rock, like I, please, I hope I've had, I'm as awesome as Madonna and her when I'm 65, like whatever, right. you know? Right. And right. That I my know, seriously, <laughs> your version is going to be different, but it's going to be awesome. <laughs> right. I know. You know, yeah. I'm just kind of like, whenever I, uh, people are annoyed by that, it makes me like want to show my butthole, you know, when I'm 75. <laughs> you give hope for us all. I'm trying to help liberate and if showing my butthole at 75 will like make somebody spaz out and finally like arrive on the other side of this. I'll be like, yeah, here's my butthole. Liberate yourself. You made butthole liberation possible. I'm so like, I'm going to make chocolates out of my butthole and sell those too. (laughs) Please do. (laughs) They can monetize that. Why not? Why not girl? Um, Yeah. You know, and, and I want to bring back this conversation to Lilith too, and nature and Madonna and how Madonna's a very Lilith figure, spe- you know, speaking of Lilith and, and so on for sure. Um, I, I like to touch a little bit on, on the Lilith and, uh, conversation and, and then we're going to take a quick break and then we'll come back and, and uh, talk about Lilith in the future and in dystopian society and talk about more about what you do and some other fun questions. But um, Lilith. Yeah, I don't, I, I really feel like ev- a lot of people, I'm going to say everybody, uh, has been missing the mark when it comes to who Lilith is. And as somebody who was a sex worker for 20 years, who's a stripper, I did some dominatrix work too, I was a sugar baby, um, and so on. I, I, I came to see Lilith as nature herself, because when I see women sort of positioning themselves on purpose on Instagram and, and TikTok or wherever else as the succubus Lilith. And there's, they're doing the succubus stuff and oh yeah, I'm the demoness and, they're Lilith and, they're, and all of that. I'm just kind of like, girl, it's like, you're, you're kind of, you're, you're playing into the story that already exists about her. So in that way, to me, they become controlled opposition. They're, they're not at the point of transcendence. And to me, Lilith is a third point. She's not She's not what the Abrahamic religion has said that she is. Um, there's no real rebellion in my eyes 
uh, you know, positioning yourself as, as in that way or making Lilith, uh, what everyone said she's always been. I don't know. What do you think about that in terms of who Lilith is? To me, I've experienced, you know, it's interesting. The first time I really encountered it was in a reading and I was, I was reading someone um, and then the energy would come forth a few different times. And it always felt like, it always felt like she was on the periphery, you know, and I could, I could feel her and see her in this sort of wild, um, like bramble, you know, right. and then in the center, you know, I was seeing, uh, the, fr in the first vision, I remember this, I was seeing sort of an Adam and Eve situation, right? Uh -huh. I'm trying to remember the details, but it was like, oh, there's all this light. I'm like, oh, we're going to do this. And then I could just feel this like movement in the shadows of like, and this is to me what Lilith speaks to is this idea of like knowing your safety and knowing when something's wrong, protecting yourself. And it's like, I could feel that tremble almost. It was like, um, uh, I don't know if this is answering your question, but this is just, it is, it is. Okay. Yeah. So to me, it was this sort of like this, this life giving push to like, you know, protect itself and, um, and to maintain and to grow. And that was sort of the tension that was like mm. pushing this scene in the center. These, right. these people who were like seeking the ivory tower, this was this sort of, there was the energy surrounding this. It was this tension surrounding this, like, don't abandon me. And, you know, and there's, you, you see so many examples throughout um, history of people splitting the goddess in half. Here's the, oh, here's the lovely wife and mother. And then here's the destroyer. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, you know, it felt to me like that, mo that, like that moment where, you know, we, we, we split her and it doesn't need to be that way. Like I, to me, Lilith is that sort of like, it's that, it's that pure wildness and that, that pure, um, and when I say wildness, I mean nature. I don't mean just like chaotic, right. but it could be chaotic, but it doesn't right. have, you know, um, but I, as an embodiment, like it, she just feels like, um, she just feels like life, the way that it's, it's really hard to describe it. It's like this, it's an electricity that I feel. Right. Uh, around yeah. protection. And she well it is protection because I feel like I think that that really um makes a lot of sense that that you would sense her that way uh because to me she is if she represents the primordial truth like of all the raw materials right and we think about alchemical experience or the talk about alchemy I think she represents for the feminine the most natural the most original um, and the most, the most uh, primordial, the most raw truth, yeah, the most fundamental and all other, everything else that has come, come out of, of that space always adapts itself to the new culture, to the new culture, to the new culture, to the new epoch, to the new moral laws, or, you know what I mean? As they change and morph and, and, and all that, but she remains the same yeah. throughout yeah. it all. And, yeah. and so to me, this is what I realized too, is that, well, the split in the feminine, the Madonna whore, um, as a sex worker, you know, I, I was definitely the one on the outside and, 
and I saw this war happening in the feminine principle, not in the masculine between Lilith and Eve, the Madonna whore. And Eve to me is the feminine of culture. Lilith's yeah. the feminine of nature. And so, you know, Eve adapts as she needs to adapt to survive in culture. And in doing that, she gives up a lot of her own power, yeah. right? Um, in, in that way. Uh, so it makes sense that she was the protective force saying, don't abandon me because this is what she's been used to since forever, right? Thousands and yeah, forever and ever and ever and ever. Yeah. And that's the, and the, and the real wisdom is that is not out of desperation. It's not, you know, like she's just like, don't fuck up your life. Don't right. be a different. <laughs> That's it. It's just like, that's kinda, what I mean when I say don't abandon me. It's like yes. you're making a mistake, dude. Like, <laughs> you know, right. and it's that it's that wisdom that like I'm here and I'm not going anywhere. But if you don't engage with me, you're gonna get the lessons the hard way. Yes, that's it. I mean, because then we're abandoning fundamental wisdom. Yeah. You know, and so that that's exactly how how I I see her, and it really makes me feel, you know, just frustrated when I see all the, the younger generations too, especially just continuing this, like I'm embodying this succubus Lilith thing. And they don't realize that they are actually controlled opposition, right. In a yeah. lot of ways, uh, reinforcing that false idea of, of, of her power and who she, she is. So, okay, well, we're going to take a, a little break and then uh, come right back and finish up with my wonderful friend, Alex, and, and just keep on philosophizing. Thank you. Okay, we are back for more philosophizing and blasphemizing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we want to talk about something that that I think is, I mean, is really, I think, very important. And this is what I do in my course, too, is tethering the ancient to the modern and why it's important to not abandon what's in the past. I think I think that happens a lot. I think a lot of people, what I have witnessed and tell me if you have, too, is people thinking, oh, we're not living in that time anymore. Oh, right. that's this way over there. So it becomes this fantastical, weird idea that is no longer in existence. Um, I'd like to kind of talk about, you know, dismantling that and see, is that true or not? And, and then how does Lilith live today? Um, what does all this look like in today's postmodern dystopian because it's be, it's going to become more of a dystopian reality right so how can we what, what does all that look like today yeah yeah and i think it's an important point because as you mentioned uh lilith being that sort of perennial wisdom and yeah. every time is going to have shit that does not need to move forward we know <laughs> and right. no but they're but looking back in human existence and there, when there was a deeper connection to the earth and there was a more sort of intuitive sense of uh, what was going on, um, that, you know, there's a deep level of attunement with in the self and the other uh, that is just innate. And that is a wisdom that ought to be carried forward. Absolutely. You right. know, and I think that a lot of our modern society has to do with overcoming nature or mastering, mastering nature mm -hmm. or, you know, I like, I remember, you know, I don't know if anybody has ever taken the drive out to Key West, but the idea of just like this bridge driving over the ocean, you know, and like, I remember this crazy 
thunderstorm and I'm like, I'm going to die, you know? And I'm like, this is what the fuck are people doing? Like you're, I'm on this little bridge in the middle of the ocean going to Key West for some God knows reason anyway. But the idea of like, you know, we can conquer this, we can do this. And (laughs) remind us, which she reminds us regularly, like, uh, I'm in charge guys, you know, like I'm, I can fuck your shit up if I want to. I know. know, It's so funny when I was, I used to live in San Francisco and I was like, we're looking over at the Bay once and, and I was super loaded, you know, I had smoked a bunch of kind bud and I was just looking out at that water. And I thought to myself, I was like, man, if that water wanted to, it would just rise up and take us all. But look at it. It's nice. Mm-hmm. It's being mm-hmm. nice right now. <laughs> Thank you for being nice. Thank you. Right? Yeah, uh, no, I think it all comes down to like harmony and like our sort of sense of harmony with it. Like, of course, we're going to grow and evolve as people and humans and as a, as a culture. And I, you know, now, you know, we're seeing so much, so many leaps and bounds in terms of, um, you know, liberating people who have been oppressed for so long. And, you know, we have all this technology now and we have just so much more is available to so right. many more people. And there's a lot of kinks to be worked out, no doubt, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and I think that that's an, like in, when you're in a process of growth and rebirth, breakdown and breakthrough, you know, Lilith is that thread that carries you through. Mm-hmm. And that is the wisdom that's going to be like, this is, this is how you get through it. Right. Um, I think that anyone who, I mean, I'm a highly Iranian individual, like chaos has ruled my life in ways I hate to admit, but that was the one thing is like surrendering, be like, all right, I don't know, but something in <laughs> me does and I'm just going to let that. <laughs> right. Well, you know, that, that brings up something else is, is the difference between in, intuition and discernment. Yes. Because we can have an intuitive hit about something, yeah. but we don't, we don't know how to discern what it is. Then we might miss the mark some more. We might project absolutely and our, and our assumptions about what it is. And so the discernment is really the more masterful way of, of how to respond to your intuitive nature. Right. Yes. Um, yeah. Because I, you know, I listen, I've taught, um, I've taught intuitive development and psychic development for years for, you know, over a decade at this point. And, um, uh, uh, when you're new at it, you project like hell, you know, you project everything, um, not everything, but it's, 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 you project a lot and, you know, it's, it's a, it, there's a deeper place you have to get to, to kind of connect in with that more discerning nature. And that is a sense of truth. Mm-hmm. And it's that part of you that might question what you're seeing and know, like you feel it. Right. Um, but it's, it's an experiential process to get there. Like you have to touch that feeling to know it. Um, and until you get there, you're going to do all the other things. Um, but it's that process of, uh, sort of quieting out all the noise of what's happening. Right. And getting to this deeper, deeper level. And we're in a time now. So, I mean, just looking at now and what everyone is going through, uh, so much is happening in the world, like where to even begin. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that this is the time because, you know, things are breaking down, things are changing, systems are breaking. You know, this is a time we have to bring that wisdom uh, to the surface. And it's not all like, oh, I have this, you know, I did a bunch of shrooms and now I have this grand idea of how the world should be. And I'm going to just fucking do it. Like, I'm not talking about being delusional. <laughs> 
but like I do think that um you know I do think that there I mean I think that that brings people to a place of oh like this is possible you know but I I think that what people are most uncomfortable with is not actually knowing where you're going right and finding the way as you go and there's a certain value to that in the creative process um that is highly undervalued and feared because Mm -hmm of our own shame and our own senses of what failure is like I don't even think failure is a thing but like you know it's just it's literally like if you're breaking ground for the first time if you're doing something nobody's ever done before um you really have to let yourself be led well you know when I first fell into a very powerful dark night of the soul I mean I've had a few uh, there was one in my 20s and then one uh, before I turned 40 and uh, or right at 40, I think. I don't know, something right before. Anyway, I always said it was Lilith meeting me at the gates. And when you she's meeting me at the gates of my own hell, which is my own unconscious, right? Uh, basically, all the things that have been there the whole time and showing me around, <laughs> you know, <laughs> showing me around myself and uh, the things that I have hidden from myself, either willfully or in a naive way, you know, both. Um, I think this is true for all of us. Uh, you know, and the thing I wanted to bring this back around to uh, the the modern stuff and Lilith and perennial wisdom, because I've been collecting a lot of information from my course and researching about AI. And, and that is a really powerful way to look at, I think AI is, is, is expressing the collective unconscious, right? And I've been reading a lot about how scientists or different people uh, in technology are worried that AI is going to be a psychopath eventually. Because, I mean, and again, what does that mean about us? It's it's going to be what we birthed. Right. It is, it is our coming out of our minds. So that's expressing to us in a mirror, isn't it? That we do not know ourselves. And yeah. that way, if we create something else, that has no sense of a a true moral compass, not this false morality, but the the morality that comes from a a deeper earth natural wisdom from Lilith. Um, and so that's another reason why it's hi, everybody, it's important to to look again at this ancient wisdom at the only wisdom there is and always has been. Let's go back to basics, because if not, we're going to create, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger is going to come here and <laughs> the Terminator is going to you know, kill us all, everybody. So it's like, you know, maybe that was actually a true story. But I'm just saying we are entering that time and it's probably a good idea to tap into this deep, ancient, perennial wisdom that is unchangeable and uncompromising yeah. no matter what times we are living in. Yeah. 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 I think because there's, you know, our, like I, I, AI is interesting. I mean, to me, it's very, the whole process has been fascinating. I've been, you know, kind of looking at all the different opinions and stuff like that. And I, um, uh, and you know, the idea of it being a sociopath is interesting because to me, that's like pure creation, pure go, go, go do the thing, do the thing, do the thing. And then you like, block out everything else that exists you yeah know? right um, right and, so, and there's no capacity to receive and there's no compassion and that's like you know um uh and that's that's something that I think organic um, I mean co- compassion is maybe not necessarily innate to things that are not human but um 
but this idea of receiving and allowing for something to happen, um, being part of the growth process. Right. Uh, it's, it's just an, I mean, like, just look at how plants grow and, you know, and how they right. have to leave so I mean, it's much. exciting. And it can happen. Yeah, right. absolutely. It's exciting on one hand and, and, um, it's exciting on one hand until one day your sex dolls trying to murder you at three in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And that's yeah. like, it's like, uh, oh no, sorry. Made a bunch sorry. of Lorena Bobbits, you know, <laughs> everywhere. Bob, Bobbit robot, Bobbit robot. There's some kind of alliteration there for sure. Yeah. <laughs> the Bobbit robot. That one, that sounds fun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So I, I wanted to move on from that and and talk about i really want to get to you and your work and your work and your personal story and let's do that i want to know do you mm. remember uh how old you were or about the time in your life where you were realizing what it is that you really comprehend right now and that's this deep esoteric wisdom do you remember something that occurred in your life when you were little or not little what yeah. was that story oh god i mean you know i think that when I was little, I had a lot of experiences that I didn't understand. And I just thought everybody was like, oh, you have a wild imagination, you know, but I remember being a young kid and instantly knowing that I was different. I didn't fit in and like, I didn't know how to, and I didn't even really want to. And I was just kind of like, what the fuck? Like, I just felt like that feeling of being plopped on earth. And I'm like, what? is going on here. So, right. My, um, I mean, I just remember that from very young trying to make friends and all this, you know, which I did. I mean, I'm friendly. I'm good at getting along with people, but I never felt like satisfied in it, I guess was the thing. Um, meanwhile, my imagination, my vision was so strong. So oftentimes I would have dreams Right. And I would wake up and the dream would be happening in my room and I would be telling my mom, you know, or whoever was there, like, you know, what's happening in the room. And, you know, so there was always this like bleed over, like, right. the, you know, that the spirit realm or the astral realm or however you want to term it, it was, it was very alive in my vision from the moment I was born. It was normal to you. It, it was, was not, very normal. It, and yeah, that's very just normal. like, okay, yeah. Like I'm going to walk through the house and I'm seeing these little monsters and I'm seeing this, these little things scamper up the walls and, you know, oh and I'm seeing color over here. What did you see? What did you see on the walls? Cause I saw things on the walls. Yeah. I always used to see, I, I mean, it's hard to describe just little shadow scampering. And uh, then there was like a really, there was a, I remember a big bug eyed monster in no my way. old oh. house in Tennessee. Yeah. And like, and it was just, I would just see it all the time. And it was like, what? Okay. Like it's next to the telephone. Like I just, I mean, it was, really, yeah, I wasn't scared. I wasn't, it was just there, you know? And, um, you know, looking back now, I think there were maybe land beings or, you know, um, something of that nature, but, um, but, but yeah, I mean, it was just, that was, it was, it was all there. So mm -hmm. it was like how you imagine in your mind's eye, if your mind's eye, like I lived in virtual reality, you know, it was like, that's just what my world was like. Um, and so, I mean, that was true for a long time. My teenage years, I definitely just did a lot of drugs and that was sort of my way of engaging with it and, and really resisting my, at the time when, so actually in high school, this is pivotal because at the time my mom, she went full on new age. Okay. 
it when I was in high school. And this was interesting because she and I had discussions where um, she felt like she had found the, I mean, listen, I gained a lot, so much wisdom and divine knowledge from my mother and her journey at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, my connection to spirits at that time was incredibly profound. My uh, connection with what we would know as the angelic realm was incredibly profound. Um, moments where my life was saved moments where, you know, a friend's life would be saved, you know, um, because yeah. I, I got into some shit. Yeah. I got yeah. into some shit and yeah. I should not be here. You know, I'll you put fucked it that around way. and found out. I fucked around and I found out. Okay. <laughs> right. That's the only way to do it though. Really. I mean, that's really, the, you know, some of us are way. on that little chaos path of like, right. all right, you know, here we go. But, yeah. but, but there was always something mm-hmm. pulling me out, you know, and keeping me going. And, and, and there were, there was some point in my twenties where I'm like, I couldn't die if I wanted to, I am stuck here you know, and, <laughs> and, and I would find every suicidal maniac in the world. And I, you know, would somehow land in their path and at a critical moment and save their life and get them to change. Right. And I don't, you know, I'm not like saying this in like an ego way. Like I, I hated it to be honest with you. So there's well, no, you know, there's, there's a burden, there's a burden to it. Um, there is a burden, right. And you, you yeah. feel uh, this out you're the outsider all the time it feels like looking right. in and you're wondering if anybody can see you you can see them but they can't see you and you yes. can measure that by how much they project onto you you can see what it is that you you are your role for them and what you're serving for them uh other rather than them seeing you as their, your holistic self yeah you know what i mean and your own sovereign right but you were there as a screen for their projection and i feel like that happens a lot, right? When, when, uh, when we are really a, awake and I hate to use that term awake. I don't know what it is I'm trying to say here, but more self-aware, maybe, um, have a deeper self-knowledge and it's more sincere. You're not trying to do all that to be better than anyone, but that's just the way that you are. And you see that yeah. not the way our society has been groomed to be. And a lot of people are not, are not doing that. So then you have to bear the brunt of it. Yeah. It is. It's very burdensome. And I would say that this, it, it had like, it didn't matter how aware I was. I want to clarify that you mentioned self-awareness. I find myself much more self-aware. It definitely still, definitely still happens, but I think I'm also more clear about what I express and put out about right. myself. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I, I bring, I'm bringing a lot more definition to my being these days mm-hmm. where in before I was just kind of like, in the soup, you know, and then yeah. I would like do a lot of drugs or I would like just, or if I was with a guy, you know, like, um, uh, I, you know, chase sex a lot in terms of like, just feeling grounded and feeling in my body. And then it was like, always, oh, I want to keep this person. So it was like, there was a part of me that was never really me then, even though that stuff was happening, you know? Right. Uh, right. A heavy dissociation there, which I think is a common uh-huh. sort of, uh, uh, what do you call uh, an arc, like a, yeah, a like a, a common a, arc for those of us who right. experience this this kind of pathway? It's a, it, but it also is highly informative. Mm-hmm. So even if it was super dissociative, not really good for me, but I, it, it was very informative around sort of the shadows that people work through and hold, and the moments you witness are like you can't learn this shit in a book. You no, know that you can't. This is what I'm saying. That they 
you know, uh, when, when I left San Antonio a long time ago in my 20s, I remember uh, talking to my friend Jennifer, who I'm going to send this to her, my childhood friend. And uh, I told her, she's like, Where, what are you going to basically like, what are you going to do out there? What are you, where are you going to go do? I was like, I'm going to go collect data. <laughs> That's what I told her. I'm, I'm going to go collect information and then I'll know what to do with it on the other side. And, and it sounds to me, I mean, we have to be initiated by chaos. I think, I think us, those of us who um, are on this path sincerely, you know, not yeah. this, and there's a whole bunch of Instagram, which is in a bunch of you know, social media priestesses and, and all of these and this and this and that. And it's fine to to learn things by reading books. I think that those are supplemental though. Those are not primary. Sure. Yeah. Those are not it's important primary. to educate yourself as you're I mean listen, I educated myself. I was like, okay, so so this is what happened when my mother died. My psychic sight became so pronounced during that time. And at that point I was like, what the fuck is going on? Because this is now this wow. is something different. Now this is me just all like, oh, la, 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 life is so crazy. Like, this is something different. I was feeling, I was also doing health coaching at the time. And I was having these experiences of people's organs talking to me and like telling me what they needed. And then I would start to see all those little creatures and critters that were running up the walls when I was a child. I started to see them in people and they started to look at me and they started to challenge me. I know this sounds crazy, right? But like they, and then I was like, okay this is a thing yeah okay it's like all right well then let me and, let me go and stop and look at this one-eyed bulging motherfucker <laughs> clearly yeah yeah so so then it was seeking out, and you know listen i mean the the internet was the wild west i mean it still is but it was definitely the wild west then and um you know in books on spirituality magic all of that and you're you're getting other people's initiations. And that's something that when you are educating yourself on this, it's important to do. And that's the issue. Yeah. Yes. But recognize that that is someone else's journey, not yours. Right. Where this idea of like, take what works and leave the rest is really, really key in discernment and really, really key in developing your own, um, developing your own refinement on your own path. Mm. whatever that initiation looks like for you. So it's sort of like, you're, you're always going to hear little things um, or get some practices or some tools that are like, oh my God, this is helping me so much. Great. Right. That's going to evolve. That's going to change. And right. you're going to differently. But that was, that was at that period, that was the period in which I started to do um, psychic work professionally. And uh-huh. um, all I can say is when I actually engaged with it and took it seriously, oh my God, it brought so much peace to my life in a lot of ways. It was, uh, it just needed to be integrated in a way that was not hiding, but now out. Yes. Yes. You know, I, I, yeah. and I understand what you mean about finally just embracing. I mean, I, I, my, my chart, I tell people I was born to be hated. <laughs> it's in my astrological chart i was born to be hated i have this t-square of mars and pluto on my sun sign cancer mm-hmm. and then my lilith is rising in my in my ascendant and she's in direct opposition to to saturn and she's in jupiter she's in Sa- sagittarius but there's all kinds of different things that just make me everything's my fault when i walk into a room it's just my fault <laughs> you right. know right away <laughs> so i was like oh well fuck it i'm just gonna be the cunt cape superhero which is why i have a cape that says cunt and I have a little wooden devil, Larry, the devil It's like, fuck it. I'm just going to embrace it, you know, yeah. because all of a sudden it liberates something and you're, you're going towards your individuation, your integration, right. And you just a salvation in, in doing all of that. 
Yeah. Like I took all that chaos that was just happening in my life and I directed it towards what needed to be healed in a person. Yes. And it would just, it would do the same thing, but it was doing it where it was supposed to do it. Yeah. (laughs) And that, you know, just, uh, fucking up my life. So. Well, like life itself initiated you the direct experience yeah. of the chaos and having to figure that out and getting burned by the flame and all of it. It's, I think it's, I think it's the highest ways to learn in our direct experience and that the books are supplemental, but it's our direct experience. So that I always tell my students and my, my clients, I always tell them, I'm not trying to get you to believe in yourself. I'm right. trying to get you to believe yourself. Yes. Yes. <laughs> How do you get to believe yourself? Yes. Um, Okay. Yeah. And, you know, I wanted to, before we go, uh, another thing talking about, um, God, there's so much we can talk about. We talked about human, like what is human nature, for instance, like, do we have a human nature? Um, and then also like, what is the problem? Why is it important to bring all this forth now? So like, if we can talk about and integrate those two things about our human nature, do we have a human nature? Is there such thing as human nature? And, and is, why is it important to to do this, this work. Absolutely. So, I mean, I think so important to bring this work forward into your day to day and just sort of like doing the work to kind of connect in. I mean, to me, it's like Jung's idea of shadow work where you're sort of working with the conscious mind and you're working with the subconscious mind and Lilith is active in the subconscious, but yeah. we can bring her into the conscious. Sorry, my cat's knocking the laptop there. Oh, we can bring her into- of Lilith, right? Your cat's like all excited. <laughs> She is my little mama. So um, yeah, so Lilith is like active in the subconscious and, you know, similar to my own journey, it's going to just make a mess until we're like, oh, you're here. Like, what do you want to do? Right. You know, so it's sort of bringing in that sort of consciousness, you know, you see these two different um, streams of thought that have kind of shaped psychology in the 20th century, whereas you have the Freudian, um, Freudian psychology is very rooted in that, like, um, that conditioning, Yes, you know, we're going to make you nicey, nicey. This is how you behave. (laughs) Be a good little, you know, and then, well, Freudian psychology is super problematic. And then Jungian psychology was much more the other end of the spectrum right, where right. like you just need to be as wild as possible like d- right. dive right into that subconscious i do think that there's something to be said for both and this right. is because i teach tarot and this is like you know where do you kind of take that subconscious drive and you bring it into a sense of refinement like i don't like the idea of conditioning but i do like the idea of refinement right. where it's like okay i've got this thing that could be something really cool if i could just you know, get it together. Um, and so I think this idea of embracing your messy sort of primordial side, taking what's good and then like developing it, you know, and applying that process to really every part of your life, right. how you relate to others, you know, how you are, you know, uh, uh, connecting in with the world, the earth, um, how are you maintaining and solving the world's problems? How are you a part of the solution? Like we have to bring that creativity into, you know, finding solutions for the world's problems, which are vast and many. Um, and right. you know, we don't have the answers yet. You know, we don't. I mean, I think that there's um, a lot of really beautiful work happening in the world. And so it's like, it's a combination of like, you don't need to reinvent the wheel. If somebody's already doing something, you can like support that, right. you know, or, you know, 
in your own path and your own journey, if there's something that's really important to you, that you bring that forth and, and really, you know, find a way to shine. Right. And, and it's an uh, alchemical process, right? That yeah. we talk about the ancient alchemists. I mean, they literally tried to turn base metals into gold. This is what they were trying to figure out. And then mm-hmm. it can serve as a metaphor for our, our spiritual evolution, our spiritual journey. How do we turn our raw materials that are there from trauma, um, you know, and pain? How do we turn all of that and use it as, as actual like manure, right? To grow the garden um, within our hearts, within our minds and to actually expand instead of subtract and, and be stay small. So it's an alchemical process uh, going, going that way. So is this, uh, tell me a little bit about uh, also before we go, I want you to be able to tell us how you center nature in your work in particular. Like how is it that you, uh, use that with your clients and, and, and tell us a little bit about your work as well. And then I'll let everybody know where they can, where they can get a hold of you as well. Um, after this. Absolutely. So, um, I think it shows up in my work in the way that I see people. So I do a lot of, um, depossession work and I do a lot of healing. Um, and I'm psychic. You know, I mean, it's like I'm psychic and day-to-day psychic stuff, but I think the people, the reason people come to me is because I can kind of move out density uh, for them with Mm -hmm. them. I should say with them. It is a co-creative process, but, um, and the reason that matters is in the same, the same way we talked about how culture has evolved, you know, there's certain parts of human existence that is not really relevant or there's certain conditions, certain ideas, it's not really relevant to how we operate now. And, um, you know, that's on a broader level, but also on a personal level, you know, I work with a lot of people who just, they signed up for, and this is, this is no judgment on anyone because this is what was told would lead them to a happy and successful life. You know, they went to school, they went to college, they got a job, they got married, they had kids you know, and then they're miserable. You know, this is a lot of people. This is a lot of people. A lot this of is, people. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I have some of my students are like that and uh, yeah. my clients too. I mean, it really is, I would say a, a pretty vast majority people. So I have, yeah. So I have a lot mm-hmm. of people who are like that. I also have another um, common group of people who are maybe on a similar path where they're highly creative, highly unique and doing highly experimental work in the world and they get targeted like crazy. Yeah. You know, um, so, I mean, those are the type of people that I work with for the, I mean, I work with all kinds of people, but that, that tends to be the, the two most common themes. Right. And you know, that for me, it's always bringing it back to what that highest potential is, you know? So that's like, you know, I'm a Venus and Capricorn, and uh, in my 10th or my 10th house. Right. So it's like, I always look at people and I'm like, how can we make this the fucking best? You know, <laughs> I love that. So, you know, when in, in exorcism and depossession work, it's, 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 there's, there's all the darkness and all the stuff, the noise that's in the way of whatever that mm-hmm. is. Right. And, um, for me that I, <laughs> my, my journey with it has been interesting because I think it's not typical even compared to other people who do this kind of work, um, where I'm, I'm, uh, I, I, I can befriend all kinds of energies in a way, right. not, you know, um, but essentially it's like, how do we just focus in on that truth 
and just cut mm. out the noise. Right. And it's liberation for everything, right. all energies involved, because it's liberation for that truth. It's liberation for whatever has been stuck there that's been holding that person back. I was like, what, whatever you are, you get to go do your thing. I don't know. That's not my problem. We're just focusing on this person in front of me. Right. Uh, and, you know, I'm, I, I'm simplifying a really complex process. Well, I mean, how can we, it's like, we have to be a bit reductionist in, in talking about this because if there's, there's the... <laughs> The nuance and the spectrum is so vast that there is no way to really, you know, bring in all those wild horses and then find a way to succinctly. I mean, we're trying our best to explain it, right, to, to yeah. help people understand um, how it can look from outside the abstract and make it into something with a form and explain it to people a little bit. But I think people probably experience this, a lot of this, without even knowing that that's what it is. And so to help them develop the language to identify what this phenomena is, I think is also part of the liberation too. You know what I mean? To find a way, where do, what do I put it? You know, what, yeah. I, what do I call it? Right. Uh, it is part of the work. Right. Important. Right. Yeah. And that's, you know, and that's sort of, you know, as I've gone through this and I've always asked myself what's really real and all this, and it's like, you know, it doesn't matter. Like, I think that there's the, there's the gravity and the density of what's holding things in place. And then there's what is trying to move and what is trying to grow and what is the truth. Right. And always the tension between the two. And yeah. that's, and that's where I just kind of go in and do my thing. Yes. You know, um, right. I, and I also, um, I, you know, I, I also teach and practice Reiki, which is, uh, to me, like, um, I mean, listen, I've been trained in a lot of things. A lot of people have been trained in a lot of things. What I love about Reiki is like, there's really like no rules. It's sort of the closest thing in terms of energy work that I've yeah. found. Uh, because it's just, it's just life force. It's just right. life force flowing, being with your life force. Well, you're going in with the broom and you're just like, Whoa. yeah, yeah, exactly. And <laughs> so, I like, you know, getting all the dust out. So yeah. that things could flow, the chi energy can just flow and your will yeah. is not blocked and there's all of that. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So to me, it's like eating your vegetables. It's just greasing the wheels. It's making things yeah. happen. Um, so, so that's been another thing that I do, you know, te uh, teaching that and I'm teaching intuitive development, teaching tarot, you know, it's the, I, all these, they're all paths up the right. same in a way. They, they yeah. are. And I can, I can attest to, to your, um, your gift uh, because, you know, you, I, I don't like a lot of this, like, you know, I'm not easily impressed. I'm really not. <laughs> and, uh, uh, but, but I have been really uh, impressed with and um, relieved for, for that you have this gifting because, um, you know, you have helped me understand and affirm my own intuitive hits, my own, what I, I feel like I've been discerning and I, and, and I, I'm pretty good at that. But it's rare that I have met somebody else that can affirm that in this language and this, and I feel very comfortable with you. You really yeah. are a very safe, safe place of no judgment. And you really are who you say you are, <laughs> which a lot of people, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like a lot of people will say things, but then they turn out to be something else. Right. right. Um, and so you really, really are a safe place. And I'm very happy that you're out here doing that work. Uh, because we we need it so badly, so, so badly. I think that a lot of misunderstanding around the work that you do and that I do or anyone else who's sort of in this hidden realm and working with this this magic, this energy, um, and this hermetic, occult, esoteric space is I think that the subconscious um, in general 
associates all this with something ancient and mm-hmm. in the past and even demonic right for people with even the, the word daemon means not what they think it means uh you know there's all of these these like layers of not understanding right and projection but there are things that people go through every day and yeah. and and they really could use this work you do and the work i do and this this is where it's at you know so and it's growing people are, are coming around and i'm really happy for it and i'm happy you're out here doing it because like i said you're the real deal you know oh, well i appreciate that and you know and i i think one of the things that i always try to bring is that sort of grace and transformation like it's not pretty and like we need to just feel okay with that right you know and that's an important that's an important ingredient <laughs> it is you know what one of my students recently said she's going to give me a testimony a, a video and she says you know you are truly the red pill for for women with the course because i mm. said the end of this you guys have to be ready and the same with you and whatever process they go through with you whatever process they go through with me it's the end of it you know, you're not going to see the reality the same again, and you'll never be able to put that back. And, nope. and so are you sure you're ready? Which is, it, it's, it's actually a legitimate question. Are you it sure is. you're ready? It is. Cause most people really do seek comfort. Yeah. And it's not comfortable. It's not comfortable. Liberation is not comfortable at all. Um, and, uh, you know, sometimes people come to it when they're on their knees and they just can't take anymore. And they're like, and uh, sometimes, you know, it really can affect your life. So people got to be ready for liberation. It's not like, oh, I get to go to, I get to go to the desert now. It's like, well, you know, I get to go hang out in Rome and Italy and Greece and you can, but you might, you know, be in an existential crisis. <laughs> you got to like, <laughs> you know, you got to yeah. do the work. So yeah, it's real work. Oh my God, this has been so great. I'm so excited that, that we did this. Was there anything else that you'd like to say? Um, I'm going to actually, for everybody who's interested in your work and how to contact you, I'm going to, um, include here a link to your website, which is Oracle of Delphi.com, right? Oracle, Oracle of Adelphi, Adelphi. Adelphi. I don't have my glasses on. You know why? Cause you see these lights in them. (laughs) So it's like, oh my God. So that now I can say Oracle of Adelphi. Yes.com, which <laughs> I will have for people to click and have to listen to just me saying it. But anyway, yes. I will make sure people um, have access to that link and you can go there and see all of the wonderful services that Alex has to offer. Uh, she's truly a magical being, a magical woman. And I can, like I said, when we started, I can't think of anyone else that I'd like to start this with. Um, you know, I just really admire what you're doing. I'm so glad that we're friends and thank you. Me too, Criselda. This has just honestly been so beautiful to share with you. And I love that we are bringing our good juicy conversations to the world. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. We always have really great conversations and some just like it. We, I think people would like them. So here we go. Yeah. Yeah. All right, mama. Well, thanks everybody for being here and until the next podcast. Nature is the truth and nature is the Messiah. That's what I'm going to say. Bye-bye. Thank you very much for listening to me if you did. If you didn't, then you're a bimbo. Bimbo.